it's the bye week. So we're reviewing the roster and the offense to see which players and position groups have lived up to expectation and who needs to step up with seven games left to play this season. You are Locked On Falcons, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back, everyone, to another illustrious episode of the Locked On Falcons podcast, your daily Atlanta Falcons podcast, part of Locked On Sports Atlanta, your team every day. And today's episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL and use code in all lowercase locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to $100. So, guys, if you don't know me, I'm Aaron Freeman, your very humble host. And of course, today we are going to be breaking down the Falcons positional breakdown on offense to because it's the bye week. And it, again, it's a little beyond the halfway point in the season, but we can kind of take a look back at the first half of the season and the next half of the season to look at these groups. This is not meant to be a comprehensive sort of breakdown that's for the end of the season. Obviously, when we have a full 17 games to look at, but just kind of a general overview um, at each position group. So we'll be breaking that down, starting with the quarterbacks. Then we'll get to the running backs and offensive line, and then we'll get to the weapons. But uh, I do want to thank each and every one of you that makes this illustrious podcast your first listen. Of course, give a special shout out to the everydayers. Uh, and to become an everydayer, all you got to do is subscribe or follow for free on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. So let's start off with the quarterback position. And of course, that means we get to talk about Desmond Ritter. Uh, no tighter Heineke talk on today's episode. Um, and I think it's easy to look at Desmond Ritter's performance this season due to his benching and say, you know, chalk it up as, oh, he's been a major disappointment. And I think in some ways he has disappointed, but I think in other ways he hasn't. Um, I think, you know, the ways that he has has been mostly looking at the turnovers and negative plays and you know, that was the one thing that probably could have potentially derailed his season more than anything else, which is not being able to play clean football. Uh, and, you know, he is disappointed in that regard. And it, it would be one thing, you know, if he was having like a one turnover worthy play a game or whatever, like Houston's the only game, according to PFF, that he didn't have any turnover worthy plays. And, you know, one a game is is not a, is something that you can live with. Like that, That's kind of the price of youth. Like you look at C.J. Stroud and Jordan Love and others uh, like that. Uh, that's kind of where they're at. But the fact that you're getting not only at least one per game, but you're getting, you know, several games this year where you've gotten three or four uh, has been really where the problem has been. Um, and then when you think of like negative plays like the sacks, you know, especially his last start uh, against the Titans where he was sacked five times and a half. Um, you know, but to be fair to Desmond Ritter, some of those sacks, a large percentage of, or not, I shouldn't say a large percentage of that, but a larger, you know, number of those sacks uh, compared to a lot of other quarterbacks in the league have been, you know, for no yards, right? And that's basically indicative of him basically trying to run uh, and getting tackled, you know, as he hits the line of scrimmage, right? Uh, and so I, I do think a little bit of the narrative, like he's, not dealing well with pressure is a little bit overrated based off of that, because I, I don't think all of those sacks are just like 
him just taking sacks. It's just, you know, he he's a quarterback that gets ha- ha- gets tackled at the line of scrimmage and that goes down as a sack. But, you know, when you look at his performance last year when under pressure, you know, he was PFF's highest graded player in the league during his four starts under pressure. And this year he's bottom seven. So it, it clearly has not been as good. But again, I don't know. In certain ways, it's been a little bit exaggerated to me. So for that reason, like, you know, those are some of the areas where Ritter has kind of disappointed. Um, But I think despite all that, like he's also shown some good film. And when you look at his season since the London game and, you know, those first four games were mostly bad, (laughs) if you ask me. Uh, you know, some some good sprinkled in there, but it was mostly bad. It was like 75% mediocre to bad and like 25% good at best. And that's, that's probably being really generous uh, with those first four games. And I, I feel like that's kind of flipped in the last his last four starts um, where it's been 75% that's been mediocre to good and 25% terrible. <laughs> but like the numbers kind of back up that you've seen that progress over the last couple of his last couple of starts before his benching, right? You look at, you know, I think the eye test show that and the advanced numbers show that because you look at things like expected points added, right? If you look at him, his numbers since the London game, he was 15th in terms of EPA per drop back or per play, which includes runs. And his EPA per play was the same as what Justin Herbert's was a year ago, Right you look at adjusted net yards per attempt or Anya is sort of my preferred uh, efficiency metric, you know, since the London game, he was 14th in the league and his Anya was about 6.4, which is basically identical to what Ryan Tannehill's was a year ago when he was a top 12 quarterback. And then you look at his PFF passing grade. He ranked 22nd since the London game, uh, but his passing grade was about 63, which is basically slightly higher than what Marcus Mariota's was. If you round up, um, you know, a year ago. So, Again, I think those are good comparisons for where Ritter is at this point as a first-year starter, a second-year player. Um, And, you know, there's still obviously room for improvement in the last seven games, and hopefully you will get that level of play, but better, if he, especially if he can eliminate some of those negative plays, eliminate the turnovers. Um, And then all of a sudden, like, you're legitimately talking about, you know, a top 15-ish, you know, quarterback in the league or something closer to league average but not not league average in a bad way right league average in like hey that's you know that's solid again for a first year starter that's very solid uh is is what you're looking for and so that's why i say like i don't know if ritter is a disappointment in that regard because my expectation was that he would just kind of be a league average starter but it's been a much bumpier ride to get to that point if he gets to that point uh then you know i think we thought And so for that reason, I I think there's understandable skepticism over whether or not we'll see that sort of improvement from Ritter over this back half of the season, or will it continue to be sort of a lot of good, a lot of bad, and just, you know, overall just kind of like, "Eh, I don't know if he's the guy. So, you know, that leads us to the offseason outlook that we'll be doing for each one of these position groups. Um, and obviously the biggest question going into the season and still remains the season, do the Falcons have a capable starting quarterback? And we don't have a definitive answer at this point in time. And hopefully we will have one at the end of the season. But I think these next seven games are going to go a very long way to answering that question, hopefully. 
hopefully we'll have a more definitive answer, either good or bad. And depending on that answer, we'll determine what the Falcons do this offseason. Um, I think the Falcons will have options if they want to try and upgrade their quarterback play this offseason. You know, the question to me is whether or not they'll have good options to try to do that. Right. So there will be opportunities for them to at least bring in new blood into the building at the quarterback position. We'll just wonder, you know, we'll sit here. Uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get to it, whether or not, you know, that new blood is is good blood, I guess you could say. Uh, so we'll, we'll see. Time will tell on that issue. But we will talk uh, a little bit about the running game, which I do think has been the biggest disappointment, um, not because of the running backs, but mostly due to the offensive line. And we'll get into that as we continue today's Locked on Falcons. So good, bad, in between. It's tough to root for your favorite team on an empty stomach. So order your faves with DoorDash. If your team is winning, order something to celebrate. If they're losing, place an order as that pick-me-up DoorDash has the unbeatable deals on everything you need to watch uh, or for your tailgate. All your favorite restaurants, stores, retail, grocery are all on the app so you can shop for everything to get yourself game day ready. You can get 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your force order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, subject to change, terms apply. That's 50% off up to a $10 value when you spend $15 or more on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and enter code LOCK23, don't forget to use that code LOCKED23, L-O-C-K-E-D-2-3, for 50% off up to a $10 value on your first order. When you download the DoorDash app and spend $15 or more, subject to change, terms apply. So before we get into the running backs and offensive line position group, I do want to plug that Locked On has launched the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel on YouTube. Locked On Sports Today is here for you 24-7, covering all the top stories of the day from the local experts across the Locked On network, plus our national shows covering every league. Go to Locked On Sports Today on YouTube and subscribe for the first ever national sports 24-7 streaming channel so talking running backs and offensive line it makes sense to kind of put these two groups together because they're kind of interlinked when it comes to the running game and when we talk about disappointments i think the running game has been to me at least the biggest disappointment so far the season you expected or at least i expected the falcons to have one of the top rushing attacks in the league an elite unit uh and they're not right now if you look at you know volume stats like yards per game they still rank highly they're seventh in the nfl um currently in that but if you go beyond that and i think the eye test also confirms this they're much closer to an average unit they're 17th in dboa they're 21st in rushing epa right they were i think third in dvoa last year they were fourth in rushing epa last year so they were a top four unit uh the advanced metrics last year and now they're average to below average and some of that i think is owed to this they're not getting more as many explosive runs as they did a year ago. But, it, um, you know, I don't think that's because they're less explosive, at least at the running back position. I think that's, uh, again, another testament that the blocking has regressed and the offensive line play has regressed. I think it's regressed both in the run game and in the pass game, although I think the regression in the run game has been far more noticeable than it has been in the pass game. I think, you know, the pass game, you know, a lot of last year, I thought Arthur Smith did a great job kind of masking their pass protection woes with play action passing. And he has not leaned as much in pass protect pass play action this year. And, you know, that sort of, I guess you could say added confidence that Arthur Smith has in the blocking to hold up has not been always 
you know, delivered, I guess, from from that unit. Like there have been some games where the offensive line has played well. There's been several games. I think in the bad games have outweighed the good where the offensive line in, in terms of pass protection has not held up. So, you know, overall, not great when it comes to the Falcons play in the trenches. And anybody who's been a regular listener to this podcast over the last two years knows that, you know, my mood <laughs> uh, when it comes my optimism, I hope with the Atlanta Falcons waxes and wanes based off of their trench play on both sides of the ball. Uh, but we'll talk about the other side of the ball uh, at a later date. But when we look at the individual players on the offensive line, I feel like all the returning starters with the exception of Drew Dahlman have taken some step back this year. Um, you know, I feel like Dahlman's basically the same and because everybody else has taken a step back, like that feels like positive, but it's not really, you know, it's just kind of like he's in the same spot he was a year ago. Um, and everybody else is just like a step back. And because like Jake and, and, and uh, Jake Matthews and, and Chris Lindstrom were so good last year, um, you know, that step back has, for them, even though they're still good this year, but they were like really good last year. Um, you know, that step back has been more problematic. I think Caleb McGarry is about the same as he was a year ago in pass protection, but he's not as dominant as a run blocker. So it's harder to overlook the pass protection woes as it was a year ago. Um, when it comes to Matthew Bergeron, I've been underwhelmed with Bergeron, especially as a run blocker. And anytime I feel like, well, he's made progress as a pass protector, I'm like, then he has you know, a bad game. And then I'm just like, oh, okay. <laughs> so, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to bash Bergeron too much, but he's just been underwhelming to me. And, uh, you know, he's a rookie, so it's easy to dismiss that, but I just haven't been that impressed. Now, when we look at the running backs, you know, I think Bijan has been as good as advertised as a runner. Uh, any issues with his production, you know, he hasn't been the most efficient runner this year when you look at his success rates, but, um, you know, I think that's more owed to the blocking than it is, you know, anything wrong with him. Uh, the only knock on Bijan I've had is like he hasn't been as good in the passing game as I thought, like whether that's as a blocker, as a receiver or as a route runner. Um, those have all been less than I would like. You know, Cordero Patterson, you know, has basically been a non-factor for the most part on offense this year, which is a little bit underwhelming. Uh, Algier has been solid unspectacular he's basically the same player he was in the first half of last season and then we saw last year he really exploded in the second half of the year and so the hope is that you know we'll see a similar sort of improvement for him after the bye week so we'll we'll see about that and so again there's room across the board for all of these guys to improve after the bye week and hopefully we'll see more of that we did see the offensive line tended to get better from like week 10 on last year so again we're roughly are at that same point. So hopefully we'll, we'll see that again. There's still reason to hope that we can get that elite unit that, you know, that elite running game and, and, and improved pass protection that we were hoping for uh, that strong trench play, so to speak, that we were hoping for going into the year uh, for the rest of the season. Now, when we look ahead to the off season, you know, I'm, I'm expecting the Falcons to run it back with the same starting five, uh, barring anything crazy happening over these next seven games, you know, they'll probably wind up investing, some something some assets probably a premium draft pick like a day two pick into an offensive tackle to upgrade that swing tackle spot and that will give them sort of an insurance policy in the event that you know mcgarry doesn't have a rebound season next year and go back to being that elite run blocker and or jake matthews you know takes another step back next year um you know at the running back position 
you know, you're probably going to move off of Cordero Patterson and, you know, getting Avery Williams back healthy next year will help kind of fill that void if that is the case. But I don't think it would be a, an issue if the Falcons added a little bit more juice uh, at the running back position, maybe like a day three draft pick or something like that. Um, so we'll see. And speaking of adding more juice, we'll talk about the receivers and the weapons, looking at the, both the wide receivers and the tight ends to to wrap up today's episode um you know as we do this sort of bi-week breakdown and we'll get into that as we continue today's lockdown falcons so whether you're extended uh whether you're on extended travel or bracing for a major weather event or limited by yet another supply chain shortage you are covered thanks to our partners over at jace medical their life-saving antibiotics and a long list of daily medications can be ordered now in a one-year supply, even EG, ED generics like Cialis and Viagra. So go online right now at jacemedical.com to receive your 12-month supply of your daily medications. Remember to use the promo code Locked On at checkout and you'll get a discount. Don't get caught unprepared and everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. So if you or someone you love would love to get some peace of mind by having a year supply of any daily med, just go to jacemedical.com to see if it's offered for you. Remember to use the promo code locked on for a $20 discount off at purchase. Use the code locked on at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com promo code locked on. So wrapping up today's locked on Falcons, let's talk about the wide receiver and tight end position. And, you know, much is made about Drake London and Kyle Pitts' lack of production by a vocal subset of the fan base and, you know, maybe media members, especially if you happen to work in fantasy football media. Um, And, you know, again, I'll be an apologist here, but I I think that's a little overrated. Like London's basically on pace to put up pretty much identical production that he had a year ago as a rookie. Um, And, you know, similar to Desmond Ritter, like if you look at Kyle Pitts' production since the London game, He's been producing on par with what is pretty typically a top three or top five tight end on an annual basis. But I think because of where those guys were drafted, and I think it was reasonable to expect that we would see even more production out of those guys this year. Um, But like, you know, I I think, you know, they're basically on pace to have like 65 to 70 ish catches for like 750 to 800 ish yards for either one of those guys. And I think when you look at what their ceiling potential to be, I think you look at that type of production, you say that's a disappointment based off of what their projected ceilings are. And I think that's fair to say that neither one of those guys have quite reached consistently reached the ceiling. We've seen glimpses of it this year, but it hasn't been something consistent, consistent this year. Um, You know, and I don't think that's a problem, but you know, I think because of, high expectations based off of where they were drafted. And, you know, because I think we as Falcon fans grew accustomed to having that sort of elite pass catcher in our offense for the last decade, you know, not having that player in our offense feels like a disappointment to a lot of folks. Now, because of that, like the one knock I would give on London and Pitts is they haven't shown that they can be that sort of true blue number one type of weapon that you can build your entire offense around or your entire passing attack around, you know, but frankly, there's probably only like maybe a dozen of those wide receivers in the league and probably only like one tight end that you would say, 
is on quite on that level. And so to me, Drake London happens to be, you know, say the 17th best wide receiver or Kyle Pitts happens to be the third or fourth best tight end in the league. You know, that's not a disappointment to me, but I know to other folks that that may be considered one because, again, their expectation is that, you know, these guys have to be historically good based off of whatever uh, is the reasons for those expectations. But I, I don't think that's necessarily fair. So, um, you know, I think when I look at the rest of the wide receiver group, you know, the Falcons have made a major shift at their, you know, depth chart midseason after that Van Jefferson trade. And he's sort of taken over in terms of snaps as the number two wide receiver. You've had Kadero Hodge be the number three. Scotty Miller is the number four. And poor old Mac Hollins has been relegated to the fifth wide receiver that basically blocks and plays special teams. Now, since that trade, I think Hodge and Miller have flashed and made plays. Uh, like you would expect as a number three and number four wide receiver would. Um, so I don't think they've been disappointing in the slightest in that capacity. You know, Jefferson has not really had those same moments as, especially as a number two guy. So hopefully you'll see more of that in, you know, after the bye week and you also continue to see Hodge and Miller and, you know, you know occasionally Mac Hollins make some plays uh, as they have over the course of the season. When you look at the tight end group, you know, I think Jonathan Smith has been kind of a re- revelation because of his ability after the catch. Like he's basically kind of taken over the CP role as the guy just get the ball into his hands and let him cook after the catch. He's been basically that guy throughout the season, you know, so that's a positive. Michael Pruitt, you know, has, I think, probably formed typically as a normal third tight end slash blocking tight end. And that would be okay if we just didn't have a year like we had last year where the guy that had that role, uh, Parker Hesse, was outstanding in that role. And so it, it feels like much more of a disappointment based off of, you know, the the, the high bar that Parker Hesse uh, set. Now, when we look to the offseason for this group, you know, I think the goal is going to be getting more explosive, especially at the wide receiver position. Ideally, you would find a true blue number one wide receiver, but, you know, obviously that's easier said than done. And I do think adding a number two wide receiver, especially one that has a lot more juice, may not be as valuable, but would be very valuable to this group. Um, And we'll see, you know, what level of investment the Falcons are willing to make at that position. I think it should be pretty high. Obviously, I won't say it's like their top priority, but it's pretty high on my personal list right now. you know, they got to figure out quarterback obviously is going to be more of a priority. Probably edge rusher is probably going to be more of a priority, but I'd probably put it at number three right now in terms of like things that are priorities to add this offseason. But we'll we'll see. Right. You know, basically what I'm saying is like ideally you can find a Justin Jefferson. Right. But if you have to, quote unquote, settle for like Jalen Waddle. I think, you know, I, I'm not going to complain about finding Jalen Waddle is basically what I'm saying that, you know, again, not saying you have to get that exact player, but something like that, uh, where, you know, Waddle is a really good number two. Um, but, you know, at the tight end position, when you look towards the offseason, you know, I'm assuming that they'll probably move off of Michael Pruitt and whether that means Parker Hesse or John Fitzpatrick will be sort of the in-house candidate to replace that guy. But I certainly would not be shocked that the Falcons added another body at that spot, especially someone that can add value both as a blocker and also 
add more value than either Fitzpatrick or Hesse does as a pass catcher and more value than Michael Pruitt has as a pass catcher. So we'll, we'll see if that, how, you know, again, that's probably like a day three draft pick or something like that. But, you know, someone like Cade Stover at Ohio state is, is a player I picture, you know, in the fourth round or something like that, but we'll see, we'll see how that all goes, but that's, that's going to do it for us in our sort of bi-week roster review. We'll do one of these for the defense. I don't know exactly if that's going to come out before or after, you know, the normal next episode, which will be, you know, chatting with Jarvis, getting his thoughts on things, but you'll, you'll get six episodes. That's the plan this week uh, as, as opposed to normal five, uh, just as, you know, for those of you that, uh, you know, aren't ready to take a break from the Atlanta Falcons quite yet for your bye weeks, uh, you'll have something to listen to. Um, You know, again, this was not meant to be a comprehensive breakdown. We'll do that after the season. If, you know, all things go according to plan and I get to go back to the Senior Bowl this year, it'll probably be a similar timetable as we did last year where the week before the Senior Bowl, uh, which, you know, late January, early February, um, you know, did the positional breakdown for the offense. And then after the Senior Bowl was the defense. And rather than trying to cram all of that into one episode, you know, cramming, you know, separating it into individual episodes. So that would be the plan. And obviously we'll be able to go much deeper at each position in each player, uh, especially at that point, we'll have 17 games to talk about rather than nine or 10 or how many games we played 10. (laughs) So um, that is the plan moving forward. You know, I I don't know if the next episode is going to be that defensive breakdown or it's going to be my chat with Jarvis about what his thoughts are on the team during the bye week. Um, So, but you can look forward to both of those episodes probably dropping in the next 24 to 36 hours on your audio feed. So continue to make us your first listen, make us your first watch on YouTube or wherever you listen to podcasts. And um, what else should I plug? Go check out the uh, Locked On Sports Today 24 seven YouTube streaming channel. We have, of course, have a locked on sports Atlanta 24 seven YouTube streaming channel. So if you're, you know, wanting to get all your Braves, Hawks, uh, Bulldogs, Falcons, and et cetera, content on the same channel, you know, you can always, you know, throw that on in the background whenever you're doing stuff. Uh, Always appreciate that. So you can check that out as well. And continue to make us your first listen. Continue to check out Locked On NFL as your second listen if you want to stay tuned to what's going on with the rest of the league uh, during this bye week. And, of course, uh, check out the Locked On NFL kickoff live Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time on whatever Locked On NFL channel that you're like, including Locked On Falcons. So subscribe to Locked On Falcons if you haven't already so that you can get that live at Friday, 2 p.m. Eastern. That's going to get you geared up for this weekend's Falcons free, stress-free weekend of football games. So that that's always enjoyable. You, you, can, you can always appreciate football a lot more when you don't have to worry about the Falcons bringing down your mood, right? So uh, check that out on Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern time, guys. So that's going to do it for us here. We'll be back with more roster reviews, positional breakdowns on the defensive side of the ball, as well as talking with Jarvis uh, as the rest of the week unfolds. Appreciate it, guys. Till 